This is a bonus feature of the Practical Employment Law podcast that I call Labor and Employment Law Goes to the Movies. Now, there are a surprising number of movies out there that rely heavily on labor and employment law, and I'm going to tell you about them in these bonus episodes. Here's how it works. I'll tell you about the movie's labor and employment law angle, obviously spoiler alerts, but I'll try to keep it to a minimum, and then I'll rate the movies one to five stars in two categories, labor and employment law content and labor and employment law accuracy. So grab your popcorn and let's watch a movie. I'm going to start this bonus feature, Labor and Employment Law Goes to the Movies, with one of my favorite labor and employment law movies, RoboCop. Of course, I'm talking about the 1987 Paul Verhoeven-directed film, not the 2014 remake, which should be ignored. First and foremost, understand that RoboCop is a great movie. It is violent and vulgar at several points, but not so much by today's standards. Still, not appropriate for the kiddies. Also, it has a good deal of social commentary about the media and consumerism that still rings true. It is set in a future version of Detroit, in which crime is rampant, and the city is seeking the assistance of a private corporation to provide robotic police officers. After a policeman is gunned down by a drug gang and left for dead, he is transformed by the corporation into a half-man, half-machine peace officer, the titular RoboCop. Guided by three program directives, number one, serve the public trust, number two, protect the innocent, and number three, uphold the law, and armed with an exceptionally large handgun, he makes short work of violent criminals and causes the rest of the police force to worry about job security. Of course, all is not well. Robocop begins to recall his prior human existence, and there is the matter of his secret fourth directive. Now, you've probably seen at least some of RoboCop, as it is often rerun on cable TV and pretty widely available on streaming services. And perhaps you were too distracted by the shiny mechanical man in the dystopian future to notice that not one, but two critical plot points involve labor and employment law. First, a police strike sends the city into chaos. There is not much in the plot to analyze from a legal standpoint. Generally, strikes by public employees are illegal in Michigan, but that does not mean they cannot happen, particularly in a grim dystopian future. So I'll give the movie a pass on this point. The more important employment law moment occurs in the climatic final scene of the film and involves the termination of the employment of one of the film's main characters. Now, in Michigan, employees are presumed to be at will, meaning they may be terminated for any reason, so long as it's not illegal. Now, some may quibble that the character in question, a high-level executive, would likely have had an employment agreement with a clause governing termination, but there's no evidence of this in the film. And therefore, the presumption of at-will employment must stand. And the termination of this at-will employee is critical to the resolution of the film's plot. Thus, the film is not only entertaining, but accurate in its depiction of labor and employment law. In light of the significant role of employment law and its generally accurate portrayal, I'm giving RoboCop 4 out of 5 stars for content and 4 out of 5 stars for accuracy. This has been the Practical Employment Law Podcast. Thanks for listening. Please watch for future episodes wherever you get podcasts. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. If you would like to contact me about any aspect of the podcast, my email address is mchomley at kmklaw.com, and my full contact information is in the show notes. This podcast was created for general informational purposes only and does not constitute legal advice or a solicitation to provide legal services. 
Although we attempt to ensure that the podcast is complete, accurate, and up-to-date, we assume no responsibility for its completeness, accuracy, or timeliness. The information in this podcast is not intended to create, and listening to it does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. Listeners should not act upon this information without seeking professional 